You're listening to Real Kipper and Born. You know, Justin, the other day we got into a Morgan Riley conversation pretty good. And it just, it kind of got me thinking. Uh, and I was born and raised in Toronto. And yes, I am a little older than you. So when I think of historically the Toronto Maple Leaf blue line, they've had some some good defensemen and in some instances some great defensemen. But it's not like they've had a Norris Trophy winner. And it just got me thinking a little bit historically. And this is kind of in light of, of Morgan Riley and thinking of the inevitable that the Leafs are going to lose this guy. And here's a guy that is the longest serving guy on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm -hmm. Fifth overall pick in 2012. And when you're a defenseman, Justin, and and you're in the top five and and you're drafted. No, 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 no. That's that, that, is franchise type of defenseman ballpark. Like you are going to be my anchor for the next 12 years. You've got potential to win a Norris. You're in the top five as a defenseman. That's that instantly puts you in Norris potential, not saying it happens. And I'm not saying some never even get into conversations or don't meet expectations, but that's how you should be thinking when you draft top five defensemen. And now I'm going, okay, over the years, and I don't know how far you even want to try to go back, but who's the closest? If we want to use the 54-year drought, in 54 years, who has been the best defenseman the Leafs have ever produced? It's a it is a wild conversation. Um, you obviously know this stuff better than me, but I have sorted the defensemen all time by points, and it's like, you know, in my generation, like remembering Thomas, you know, Caberle, like is he is he in that conversation? Borea Salming is the all time leading point getter. Is he the guy? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, after that, the be. fall, the next one is Caberle. It has to be Borea Salming, and I. I First of all, I remember everything about him first coming over. And, of course, historically, we're talking about uh, uh, a European coming in and a culture full of Broad Street bullies and the Flyers taking runs at him and chicken Swede and all of that (laughs) and how he he brought that on and still managed to be a first-team All-Star. And maybe on... Maybe on another team, maybe he could have ended up winning a Norris or or two. But, you know, the one knock I have against Borea, and it's not a knock. It's just, I think, him just laying it out. And, and we've seen this scenario with the New York Rangers with Panarin a few weeks ago is, you know, I, I don't want to be the captain the Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> you know that's that's basically what Borea said back then and it's like I know I'm a great defenseman but essentially I, I don't want this team following me off the ice essentially I'm not yeah. I'm not the guy that they want to follow off the ice so outside of that maybe that he he didn't want to take on that responsibility there was there was there wasn't too much to to say you know, against Borea Salmi. But after that, it was really tough. And they took cracks at it. You know, uh, general manager of Vancouver, Jim Benning, highly touted guy, if I'm not mistaken, went sixth overall. And they drafted him to be a potential top great defenseman. And and it it didn't pan out. And then I go down, and you know, my era. It was uh, I remember Ally Afraidy, mm-hmm. uh, Gary Nyland, uh, you know, and then go back down. Then you, and then the trades for 
for McCabe, you mentioned Thomas Caberlet. Listen, I still skate with Thomas Caberlet on Thursday mornings. Yeah. He pisses me off to no degree on how good he still is. Oh, really? You know, the one thing surprised. I can say, you know, the one thing I can say with still skating, like we're slow as molasses out there, but you still think the game as well as you did when you played in the NHL. Yeah. And there isn't too many times in an hour where Caberlet isn't in the right place at the right time in these shinny games. Yeah. And it, I, I just want to, I want to chop him down. It pisses <laughs> well, me off so much. You know, it's funny. I so I used to play a lot of those like legends of hockey skates with my dad and and all the guys. You know, as a Islander Cup champion buddies, and you know, Trotches out there, and Dale Howarchuk would come skate, and some of these guys. And you're right, like the brains, the way the guys thought it. So they they were too smart to dump it in because they knew they couldn't go get it. So they'd run it back like a soccer team, regroup and attack again. They were just so good. Um, but you know how we got talking about this the other day in terms of like building a Stanley Cup champion and how the Leafs don't haven't had that. The the top ten in scoring for this Leafs team over the year is like it's Salming and, and Caberlet, and then it's Horton, Turnbull, McKinney, Riley, McCabe, Todd Gill, Alifrey, and Jay, uh, and Jake Gardner. That's the top ten uh, point getters all time for the Leafs D. So it's I don't know how you do it, Kipper. I don't know how you you come ac- across a guy. There should but be more modern-day names on that list. There should know? be, and there hasn't been an anchor. And if you look at Cup champions recently, it's Tampa Bay with Hedman, St. Louis with Petrangelo, Washington with Will Carlson, offensive-minded, same with Latang with Pittsburgh, but Duncan Keith with Chicago and Doughty, you know, Char with Boston. Like, everyone seems yeah. to have that guy. And so, and, you know... And, but within, within uh, 12 to 18 months, yep. m- maybe 24 top, boom, they're great. Okay, we saw one last night, Thomas Shabbat, boom, he's great. And now you're into the Sandine, Lilligren, you know, Lilligren, we know he's, he's not going to be that type of player. Sandine, is, is there a window for him now to, to be eventually great? I think, I think we've seen enough skill and skating and dominance at the World Juniors, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he's shown us enough there, but man, for Leaf fans, wouldn't it be nice if this guy just catapulted himself into an amazing conversation amongst the best guys? Because yeah. they've they've had it covered, you know, to various degrees over decades with the Gilmores and the Matt Sundines and now the Marners and the you know uh, Matthews, but Blue Line and. Hey, maybe that's why Kyle, you know, went and spent $40 million up front because there wasn't anybody to spend it on in the back. And this, this is not, Justin, this is not to minimize uh, uh, Morgan Riley. I think Morgan Riley is a hell of a hockey player. And I think Leaf fans will find that out as early as next year when they lose him. And he may not be perfect, but go try to replace him next you think year he's gone eh? you're just sold he's gone just tell me how they're gonna sign him please tell me i i am i'm <laughs> i wasn't great in math but I, I can connect you know one plus not enough equals no morgan riley yeah like at like kerfoot's gotta go uh I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you find the money. So it's it is a terrifying situation that if he goes away, how do you get closer to being one of those teams who wins a cup and has a big powerhouse guy? What will be interesting, and this is something that we were going to talk about too, is if he ends up the guy on the power play. You know, right now looking at the power play units, it looks like they're going back to front loading or or top loading one unit: Marner, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares. Um, do you think it should be Riley at the top there over Sandine? And what are your thoughts on Mitch Marner in the bumper position, not on the flank? Well, um, again, we, we understand over the years, it's a copycat league. You win big teams will follow you. Go big. You win fast. They'll follow you to go fast. Uh, Lou wins. They're going to trap. It's like, Whatever the case is. So I get the Braden Point success, uh, but then you start looking around Point and you see some 
some great hockey talents, Justin, and Matthews is the trigger man, no question about that, but he doesn't have the vision, I think, overall, like Kucherev. Mm-hmm. And That's fair. It'll, the, the rotation will always start with Hedman, and he'll dictate where it goes. And that's where Mitch, you got to be careful. Mitch can also get lost in the bumper roll a little bit here. Um, if you don't get some natural uh, rotations going. And that to me is is the difficult part is, you know, can Mitch, can Mitch find success? Can the guys around them find success? Yeah. Well, you know my take on this, I think, which is that I'm not sold. Mitch Marner is a good power play player. Which I know. Okay. Oh, not... oh, 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 stop, stop. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, it broke up. I, I thought <laughs> you said Mitch Marner can't play on a power play. <laughs> well, maybe not can't, but like, I'm not sure he's got the skill set to play in a 1 3 1 power play format. Like, where's he supposed to go? He can't. Last year from the flank, in 55 games, he scored zero times. Zero times, and it's all running through him. He had 14 and, and how assists. Was, how was the rest of the players, you know, when, when Mitch was sucking eggs on the power play, how was everybody else's numbers great, or did the whole thing suck? The whole thing sucked, but I'm not okay, sure it doesn't so hinge on Mitchie. He, he, he's been the top point producer on the power play for, what, uh, the first three or four years, so now all of a sudden he sucks? It's not that he sucks. It's that they're trying. He he can't shoot, right? Can you argue with that? Like, can he can't shoot the puck? So everyone sags off him, and then they're stagnant. So maybe you want to blame the lack of movement or something like that. It just seems like there's nowhere for the puck to go that's dangerous. So you watch Tampa's power play, and obviously you Kucherov, one of the best players in the world at moving the puck, but it's because he can shoot it or he can pass it. I don't know that, you know, you can put Mitch at the top because he, again, not not a shooter. He seems wasted in the bumper spot. He's not physical enough to be a net front guy. Uh, something's got to give. I just, I don't know. Is Bunting better in the bumper than Mitch Marner? Probably. Oh, my God. I, I Honestly, I can't believe I'm hearing this. I mean, th- this guy has has led power plays in World Juniors. He led power plays to Memorial Cup. I know. He's, it's it's not Mitch, and if if you wanna if you wanna look at anything, I I saw no movement last yeah. year at, at the end. They were screaming for help on the power play, and correct me if I'm wrong. Is Maholtra off the power play now? He is. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Spencer Carberry's taking it over. All right. Well, go get him. Just <laughs> like like, and then and then. I don't know, and not that I give it a ton of credit, but like, wasn't there a blogger that said that he refused to go down and play low or off the like something was going on that that Mitch refused to play a power play spot, and I'm like, when was when did you ever see Mitch scared to play anywhere on any chunk of the ice? Yeah, and I, it gets a little ridiculous, Justin, listening to it, but. Honest to God, I, I looked at that power play and how it just was stifled. There is no movement. Even Morgan Riley. I look at Morgan Riley and I go, okay, doesn't have a big booming shot that that you'd like mm-hmm. out of your number one guy. But he can skate and he can move. And if you remember Tory Krug with the Boston Bruins on their power play, there were some times that Krug would end up deep in a corner, behind the net, like whatever. It's blank canvas with these guys and their skill level. Get them moving. Get them rotating. Having Morgan Riley sit at the top and, and, and throw muffins, you know, through is just isn't enough. And, you know, I put the onus on on, on coaching last year uh, to, to, to give these guys different looks and 
They just died on I the agree. vine. All I agree. I think Boston is a absolutely perfect example. It is perfect because they had guys like Mitch who can seam, you know, Pasternak and Bergeron Marchand. They can make those passes through the seam, but the seam doesn't open up unless there's movement. You know, unless so I I wrote about Mitch in the power play and you'll be pleased to know I did conclude that they should keep him on the flank. But like he just needs to get moving. Sometimes swap with Morgan Riley up top, like sometimes just do things that can open up the seam because he's so good at that sort of fake shot pass uh across to Matthews, but when you're standing in mud and everyone knows you can't shoot, it's you're a complete non threat. So um yeah, I have uh him and the bumper is going to be interesting to see how long that lasts because I just don't feel like he's going to touch the puck enough to affect the play in a meaningful way. And we know he's such a great passer that he should probably get some touches. Well, the good the good news is that uh, uh, at ten point nine million, no one expects him to to be on the power play now. If he was making <laughs> fourteen or fifteen, there would be a ton of pressure on him to perform on the power play. But uh, right now, uh, one's on him. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. hey, have we got our first insider ready to go here? Frank Saravalli, hockey insider and president of hockey content, Daily Faceoff. Uh, Justin and I were just talking a little bit about uh, uh, Kyle Dubas. And just, listen, there is a sense that there is no sense of urgency, at least uh from MLSE but are they watching is there a chance that uh if if Kyle and and Sheldon underperform that this could be their last crack at it it, it could be and I, I think it'd be fair to ask that question and I don't think it's if you put anything uh, you know, if you have a stretch in November where you lose 11 out of 15, is anything on the table? I'm sure that it is. But if I were to look at this situation from a 30,000-foot view, which I am, and I were to say that someone is, is facing, you know, if you're to put a focal point on the pressure that the Toronto Maple Leafs are facing, it's not with Kyle Dubas and it's not with Sheldon Keefe. To me, it's with Brendan Shanahan. I mean, he's been in his chair for a while. The Maple Leafs have had no meaningful playoff success. And yes, they've totally changed. He's And he's been a huge part in changing the culture and fabric of the team. It, it's a place where it, it's not a laughing stock. It's a place where players want to play um, and are proud to play for the Maple Leafs and changing that uh, that that idea and notion that had existed out there um, it's it's a it's an unbelievable place to play. Not that it ever wasn't, but it, that feel of it has changed, and he's a big reason for that. But at the same time, I think everyone in that organization, and if you were to talk to the MLSE board on down, probably recognizes that if Kyle Dubas was out of work, he would be snapped up in 0.5 seconds. And and I think Sheldon Keefe. Take, getting a chance to take a look at that all-or-nothing series, he's he's got some fire in him, and I really enjoyed getting that peek behind the curtain of of seeing what he was like and, and sort of the, um, and I don't want to say heat that he put on the star players, but just the fact that he, you know, he's not, it, it's not a kumbaya session in there, that he's willing to, to push buttons and, and try and push people out of their comfort zone and, and ask questions and do all that. And so I enjoyed that part of it as well. So to say that, you know, people like Dubis and Kiefer going into the season, not feeling pressure, I think is unfair. But if I were to put the focus on one person, you know, to me, it would, it would probably start with Brendan Shanahan. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one there. Um, you know, obviously at the root of, of things here in Toronto. So uh, something to keep an eye on, too. Um, a, another big story around the league right now that I have got my eye on, and we've been talking about just Jack Eichel. Uh, he was Gary Bettman joined Jeff Merrick yesterday, uh, and Jeff asked him about, uh, you know, any potential resolution. And I have to ask you that. Is there going to be anything here? Because it seems like both sides are so firmly dug in that just nothing is going to get done, which, again, it feels like is not for the good of Jack Eichel, which everyone is claiming to care about but not showing that. 
Well, and and not really for the good of the Sabres either, because at some point they're going to need to wash their hands of this and move forward, right? Like, how do you chart a path forward for your franchise? So, for me, um, the fact that both sides have dug in uh, and neither one is willing to bend, uh, it puts everyone in a tough spot. And I I don't know what the easy answer is other than a team being willing to accept all the risk and trade for them, which given the asking price, I, I don't know why you would do that. Uh, wouldn't you want to have some resolution on the health front first before making that transaction? And and that to me is, is the root of the entire problem. So um, I, I think if you were to, to, again, take a step back and consider the, the larger picture, you know, is there any chance, and I, I raised this premise uh, yesterday in conversation, and it also came up with a few agents that I was speaking to, is there a chance that Jack Eichel would be willing to press ahead with his surgery and sign a waiver? If he's, is he so headstrong on getting that particular type of procedure that he'd be willing to sign a waiver and say if it doesn't work out and he's not able to play up to an elite NHL level again and his body's not able to cooperate after the surgery? that he forgoes payment, it'd be an enormous departure from precedent and a one-off, one-time exemption that I can't see, A, the NHLPA being comfortable with, and B, why would Jack Eichel be willing to do that? It's it's not the money. I don't – it's not about the money, and it shouldn't be about the money because if he's – if he's done, he's done – and he can't play, just write the contract off. 80% of it will go to insurance. It, what do they care? So at, at this point, I, I think you have to let him get his surgery. They're not willing to let that happen. They don't want – the Sabres have dug in as well. As you know, they don't want to give any ground to Jack Eichel here, feeling like they've given him a lot with – an $80 million contract and shaped essentially their world around and their franchise around a player that doesn't want to be there anymore. So they're dug in and, and they have principle on the line here as well that they just don't want to budge. Is there any sense, Frank, of how astronomical the ask is from Kevin Adams? Is it five pieces? Four? Is it like... He doesn't want conditional picks. You know, some teams that suggested to me, well, if he plays so many games or if he scores so many times, then it'll be worth this, this, or this. But no, no, Buffalo's not interested in that. No, he's interested in, in the goods and, and only, only futures-type deals. Now, is it four pieces? Is it five I can't begin to guess because I think it depends on the team that it's coming from and, and the quality of players um, and, and prospects and picks that are coming back the other way. My, my sense all along in talking to teams has been that they have no interest in really taking on any roster players um, because at some point, unless that player is under a long-term deal, they're going to be facing the same conundrum, which is can we convince this player to stay? And they don't want to be in a position where players are walking for nothing and or having to trade away those pieces to try and recoup assets. So it's, it's purely futures. And I, I do, like, I kind of chuckle at the, the question of the quantity only in the sense that I feel like that's how teams get lost in the conversation here. When you're trading a player of Jack Eichel's magnitude, first off, I think, the team trading that superstar player loses almost every single time just based on the fact that it's so hard to recoup that kind of quality in return. And so the, the return should really be focused on quality rather than quantity. And it's so difficult to, to try and make that work. For sure. Brady Kachuk. uh, Want to go Brady Kachuk? Let's do Kachuk. So, uh, Ottawa has no problem matching the offer of Shabbat's uh, eight times eight, $64 million. Bob's your uncle. No, he, he, he wants more. That's my understanding. And it's, it's not necessarily solely a function of the AAV, but it's also, 
in structure. I mean, it's no secret that the Sens have not been willing to dole out any signing bonus dollars. They're facing some financial realities that are different than some other teams, particularly in Canada, let alone in the U.S. Um, And part of that is due to their own fault and their own business failures in their market. Um, And part of it is that they're also digging in a little bit on principle. I mean, you look at that Shabbat deal, there's not a single cent of signing bonus. Uh, There's not a single cent of signing bonus on the entire roster except for uh, the guys on entry-level contracts, the, the, the maximum 92500 that you can give out. And so that's really all that exists on that front, and that's been the SENS MO and how they're going to operate. Um, so there hasn't, to my knowledge, been willingness on their part to bend on that, and they're looking for that seven-, eight-year deal. They want to buy up as many years as they can. They're not really all that interested in a short-term deal, which is certainly more palatable probably at this point to the Kachuk camp on a number of different levels, you know, how competitive is the team going to be? How quickly do they get there? Um, You know, who am I playing with? Who's coaching the team? All these things that are important questions as you're getting out to the other side of this rebuild. And, And the other part is what does the NHL salary cap world look like five years from now, potentially when players have paid back the owners and you can relink revenue and the salary cap. And what does it go up to? Is it 95? Is it 98? Is it a hundred million dollars? It's a far cry from the 81 and a half or 82 and a half that he'd be playing under, um, you know, moving forward. And so you want to make sure that you're protecting uh, your own future value in relation to the rest of the league as well for a, a, a pillar foundational piece of your franchise. Frank, we'll uh, we'll get one more from you before you go. Uh, Just wondering what you expect uh, followed the Robin Leonard situation. Do you expect any other dominoes to fall, whether the the team or league to get involved or anything to happen with Robin Leonard himself? Well, I don't for the short term. And and Robin Leonard, uh, in in conversation with him, an ongoing um, online message, um, and I published most of uh, our conversation yesterday on dailyfaceoff.com just to really understand what he's after here. He's not trying to burn this thing down. He wants to affect change. And to this point, having now had a call with the NHLPA, having had a call with the NHL, he's going to you know, keep his cards close to the vest for the time being and hope to begin to affect some of that change and see that happen behind the scenes. I mean, you heard the comments from Gary Bettman yesterday on Jeff Merrick's show about, you know, I I wish, you know, in part that he had called. This is what our 800 number is for, to call and and get the process rolling behind the scenes. He feels like he had tried that with the NHLPA before sending out his tweets. And I think what leaves me hopeful um, as the league and the players union begin to investigate and, and digest what his criticisms and complaints are, that, um, he can actually affect change because I know that he'll hold the NHL and PA to their feet to the fire, that if he's not seeing progress or is not seeing um, resolution sort of up to his standards, whatever they may be, that we'll see Robin Leonard come out firing again. And, And I think that's the thing to consider is that he's coming at this, in my opinion, from an honest place. He doesn't have anything to gain here. He's putting himself in the crosshairs and making himself an impact. It's honest, Frank, but he attacked Elaine Vigneault and his his character and his credibility and all of it. Like you're not nobody really is supposed to do that. You're not really allowed to do that. Calling for a guy's job. I I get what you're saying, and I think his approach was a little bit scattershot in the sense that. First off, he didn't clearly separate the two topics of what he was talking about. And then second, when he did say to me, and it appeared in the story about um, his accusation of the way Elaine Vigneault has treated players with mental health issues, I asked him to elaborate and he, he, he declined. So to me, if you're going to open your mouth, like come with the goods and, and, and put it out there, don't, 
don't flirt, don't hint, don't uh, don't play coy about it. Either say exactly what the accusation is or keep it to yourself. And, you know, I think you're, that's a very fair criticism on, on your part um, and in general of Robin Leonard and the approach. But at the same time, I want to give him a little bit of a break because he, this is, uh, this is unprecedented. Like Kippy, you've been around the league for how long? Like, can you ever remember an active NHL player willing to address some of these issues that he is head on? A lot of times I've got no hear problem about it, with it, that, Frank. I, I think right. it's, it's, I think it's great. And I've got all the time in the world to listen to Robin and his concerns but this is not the way to do it, okay? And you, you want to you start a really healthy dialogue here, Robin? Start with apologizing to Elaine. Let's start there, okay? Mm. Unless you've got the brute, a burden of proof, and then let the cards fall out. But we've got all time, and we're very sensitive. We are sensitive, mm-hmm. much more sensitive than we ever have been, and we got a lot of time for for mental wellness and your causes and concerns, but this is not the way to do it. I think that part is fair. Um, 100% and the approach and, and the details and making your points clear and exactly what your objectives are, all that, you know, there was a million things that were packed into a string of tweets from the Jack Eichel stuff that he wanted to touch on to the Elaine Vino stuff to the, you know, improper distribution alleged of, of sleep aids and painkillers. Like, take time to, you know, spell those details out and do it in a clear and concise manner. But at the same time, again, like I said, this is an active player that's doing it on his own without clearly any help from an outside source. So, you know, it's not, his approach isn't going to be perfect. And I'm sure that he's going to learn from this experience over the weekend and try and do it in a more clear and concise manner. And also to your point, do it behind the scenes and and have some of that spelled out first before uh, launching some of those or throwing some of those grenades. He's Frank Saravelli, hockey insider and president of hockey content daily face off. Hey, thanks for doing this, bud. Thank you, guys. Uh, glad to be welcome gonna... back, perhaps in a nicer manner next time. <laughs> oh, for sure. And I'll, I'll even share our, our story of playing uh, blackjack in St. Louis. <laughs> okay. Are you okay with that yeah, one well, on the next time? We, we got a whole year's worth of radio to do, so I'm sure we'll spill it. Thanks for doing this, Frank. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. All right. That's Frank Saravelli, Hockey Insider. Daily face-off. Justin, I want to pick up a little bit of this after the break. Okay, Mm -hmm. we're also going to, you know, talk a little bit Olympics. We know that three names have already been announced for Team Canada. We'll get into that and so much more. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born. Just picking up off of our conversation with Frank Cervelli. Uh, one of the first things we did ask him, Justin, was about maybe the pressure on Kyle Dubas. And mm. he kind of turned it more on Brendan Shanahan. And I don't get that sense that no. in any way, shape, or form that Brendan's job could be in jeopardy. But do you think more people, maybe even insiders like Frank and others think that that might not be the case? Well, you know, we always hear with like GMs that, you know, they get to bring in their coach and they get to fire. Like how many coaches do you get to fire as a GM? One or two? And by the time... Well, you're asking me or David Poyle? (laughs) How many is he through? Seven? (laughs) 30, 30, 30 plus years. Yeah. So... You know, I get it's different for a GM, but if you're the president and you hire the GMs, like he brought in Lou, he made Kyle the guy, you know, and if things don't work out with Kyle, it, I don't know. Like, I think I think Shanahan's awesome and he's a great guy, good sense of what Leaf Nation wants and needs. I, I like what he's done. But, yeah, at some point, the greater success is, you know, traceable to the top, right? 
I got to think that if he needs it, he can play that card and he can, he'd, uh, he'd fire Kyle Dubas. Yeah. That happens Bef- in another before, one before he's in trouble. Before, before he would ever put his job in jeopardy, I, I think he'd, he'd fire Kyle and it would, it would absolutely kill him because he went out of his way and, uh, you know, we're not going to do it here, but this week we will touch on the decision that Brendan made and his, and his alone, Kyle over Lou. Mm-hmm. And that was a, that one was big stones on Brendan's part. You could have gone safer, easier decision, but man, putting Kyle Dubas out there with a, a, a new philosophy, maybe a different philosophy, a different mindset, like 100% new school versus old school. And lose old school lost. Yeah, that's that was a tough a tough uh, outcome for Lou, but a tough one. I think Least Nation right now looks at it and you know full of regret. But I don't know that the story is totally written on how things are going to play out in either location. It, it is almost like for Brendan, both guys were on the wrong side of a prime. You know, like Kyle wasn't experienced enough. Lou, I think some people thought had kind of outdated ways of looking at things. You know, if if either one of them had been a little bit more to, towards that prime, it might have been an easier call. But to your point, so, we'll get more into that down the road. Yeah, and I mean, this is just me and you spitballing here. But let's just say for um, that that Brendan needs to fire Kyle Dubis, right? And you just mentioned. Too old school, too new school. So where would you even think about going to find a, the next guy? It's got to be You know me, what I mean? Probably. probably me, right? You think it's me? You? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe you? I don't know. You, don't you and know. Kyle, to me, were running neck and neck, uh, you know, a few years ago. <laughs> That's right. You just edged me out. Just edged me out. Yeah, I don't know. It's, you, you look around the league and... But it's you know you, but you, you got to remember too it's it's the Leafs right it's the ask Brian Burke most yeah. coveted job there is out there as a GM like who wouldn't want to be the general manager of the Leafs it's tough like I feel like so much of that job is a a PR job too you have to be able to stand up in front of the media and and really hold your own Kyle's gotten a lot better at that I think since he he took over obviously Brian had no problem with it and probably embraced it I don't know I don't know where you would go next but it's not an easy position to hire for so yeah yeah I think Kyle's Uh, done a good job bringing out in some older old you know some older people with good ideas too Lawrence Gilman's a guy who's got great ideas Pridham is obviously experienced too so anyway it'll be interesting to watch play out just to follow up a little bit on on Frank with uh with Robin Leonard and did I come across too hard on, on Robin with Frank, you know, because I, I get the sensitivity part of it. I really do. But is that enough to just green light someone's um, strong allegations, especially against a, a veteran head coach like Alain Vigneault? No, I think it can be two things, Skipper. I think it can be good points by Leonard and poorly presented by Leonard. And I think your complaint there is with how it, how we went about it. Because you're allowed to say that you think a coach is a dinosaur and you're allowed to say that this team gave out medication improperly and you're allowed to say, I want to fix this problem with Jack Eichel and his injury and all those things. It's fine. But to just kind of carpet bomb you know, these generalizations without follow-up in some cases uh, is maybe not the way, the best way to get action. If you're Leonard, maybe this is the only way he knows how to do it, but that doesn't make it the best way to go about it. So then I think that's your criticism. Is that fair? Yeah, it is. And Gary Bettman and the National Hockey League, they're they're in a tough spot here. And I, I didn't get a chance to ask Frank this question. So, of course, I'm, I'll ask you. Mm-hmm. But if it's not Robin Leonard with his history – and it's somebody else. What's the league do? Yeah. 
Yeah, how is it how is it different if it comes from the I don't know. P- pick a person. Tyson. I, anybody. Yeah. Brad Brad Marchand. Sure. Right? Somebody. Like he's a star, so maybe that's not the best example, but just say it's Kerfoot if it's you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe your your point is there that the, like maybe they're more critical of the guy and and they have to more there, heat behind is it. Susp- is it suspendable? Is it a fine? Yeah, I don't know, but I I, I get like I, I don't know. I'm just repeating myself. I I understand. I understand where we are and 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 Robin's had some issues and he's addressed them and yet you know we we still. We still feel for the guy. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you want him happy. You want him feeling good. You want him making great saves for Vegas. And then, again, it's like I'm going to go back to the, the player mentality here and put yourself in a teammate's position for the Vegas Golden Knights. This is a team that has as high expectations to win a Stanley Cup as any team out there and this is your number one goalie right now yeah and and on one hand you you want him feeling good and get questions answered but at the same time we know what it's like justin and that word you don't want to know a really sensitive word in the national hockey league Mm. distractions yeah that one teams don't like at all it's hard enough to win when everybody's focused and feeling good but try to try to throw major distractions in and and see how teams respond and this one's a pretty big one for for george mcphee kelly mccrimmon don't you think well, particularly on the backs of having just made a monster decision to trademark Andre Fleury. Like, it would. I wonder if Leonard felt a little freed up to say what he wanted to say without having another guy they could easily have kept over him, uh, you know, sitting around right now. It's like they finally need Leonard, so he had a little bit more security to do something like this. Um, it, you know, I, I kind of have this hot take on Vegas that, like, I'm not sold on Vegas, and I don't think this is going to help them. Like, am I crazy, Kipper? Is it is that not that is that team not as good as people think they are? I, I think they're in a soft division. I think their top scorers from the past years are older, William Carlson and Riley Smith and Pacioretty and Stone. Like those are good hockey players, very good hockey players. But I don't think this is a team they couldn't score in the playoffs. Now Leonard's a problem. Like I I don't know. I don't think Vegas is that great. And I know we weren't gonna talk about that today, but that's just a random a random hot take of mine. Vegas, not that great. Yeah, I, I, we can certainly get on it, uh, you know, in, in another show. But uh, yeah. I just, I, I think of that team right now in a center ice. That's what pops up to me, the center ice position. And when, when you look at it and you think of William Carlson and the success that he's had since uh, being uh, plucked in the uh, expansion to start there and so and Riley Smith, but William Carlson to me is probably better in a in a number two slot than he is number one. And then after that, there's Stevenson and now Nolan Patrick, who um yeah. you know, apparently everybody's accusing of, of being the guy that's sharing the flyer <laughs> information. Uh, and I hope that's not oh. the case. Because yeah. I, I, I wish Nolan the best as well. But um, it's it's a hard situation. But you know, can Nolan Patrick come in and, and be a a legit top nine guy and, and alleviate Carlson and, and Stevenson a bit? But that to you is that a Stanley Cup center ice no. top three? No, it's not absolutely. And that's you know a division. I'm trying to think of who could catch them. Edmonton comes to mind, but that's uh, I don't think that they're quite there uh, either. Do we do we want to do the Team Canada stuff? Are we ready for that? Yeah, absolutely. And we know that uh, uh, three names, right? You want to share the names with us? Yeah, we got. Uh, I guess all teams had to name three players. Let the IOC, I imagine, for marketing purposes. Uh, Canada has named Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, and. Alex Petrangelo. 
Alex Petrangelo is our third lock from this country. Am I off my? Why? Does, I'm shocked, Kipper. Should I? Should were you? Are you surprised by that, or as much as I am? Uh, like Nathan McKinnon. Uh, he's <laughs> so going to he might... be there. He's he's going to be there. I I don't know. Maybe they just wanted a defenseman. Um, I feel like they I'm did. okay. I'm okay. It's you know Petrangelo is is one of those guys who's very 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 good at a lot of things but he's not great 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 at, yeah. at one particular thing is, is that the way you see him the way i see him i i do well i also see a guy who's like because he's not huge or he's not super fast or doesn't have a heavy shot like i'm torn on how that's going to age his game but like he's he could be 32 this year. Like, it's not impossible for me to see him having some decline this season and, like, not, I don't know, he just, of all people in terms of locks for the country, he's probably going to be there, almost certainly. I mean, he is certain now, but I, you're right. I just see him as a guy who's very good, very smart, but, yeah, the, the raw tools are not necessarily elite and he's getting older, so... Uh, I don't know. I, I was surprised by that. Um, you know, we were talking with uh, Sam McKee before the show on how many Leafs, the over-under on two and a half Maple Leafs to make Team Canada. He's uh, He's got the, the potential guys as Mitch Marner, John Tavares, and Morgan Riley. Do you think they get over two and a half, or is well, it less? Let's, let's, let's just stick with uh, the the D now that we're, we're on Petrangelo okay. a little bit. So I've got Morgan Riley making Team Canada. You do? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think I think he'd be he'd be a, a great five, six, seven type of guy. I really do. Yeah, I can yeah. see that too because he, you know, he's not a guy that you would have to have on, um, you know, on, on power play one. You could still use him sort of in a, a little bit of a different role. I guess potential names: Canada on D, Shea Theodore, Kale McCarr, Riley, Thomas Shabbat. Is he yes. there? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dougie I, Hamilton. Um, I don't see him having a, a poor year in Ottawa, and I see him carrying a lot of the load. Absolutely, Thomas Shabbat. And, you know, and here's the one that's going to be interesting, too, is Drew Dowdy. Like, people are – he's pissed that is he it? is not mentioned, and he, people are writing him off. And L.A. went out and made these changes to make the playoffs, and he's – He's, from everything I gather, hungry mm -hmm. to go back. Well, and that could coincide with a better Kings team. Like, if he's hungry to go back and has a good year, you know, the Kings added Victor Arvidsson and uh, Philip Deneau. Like, they made an effort to get better, you know, um, you know, Quinton Byfield should be a year older. I wonder if the Kings will be better with a hungry Drew Doughty. But, like, I just – so I'm looking at the potential decor, and if it is guys like Petrangelo, Theodore, Shabbat, Makar, Riley, Hamilton, like, who's going to defend? Uh, like, they're nice players and all that. Of course they are. Of course. But, like, maybe Aaron Ekblad should be in the mix. Maybe Drew Doughty should be in the mix. Like, some guys to play D a little bit. There's a lot of yeah. offense back there. You, you just hope – Ekblad is healthy again, and he's raring to go. He's had a couple of really tough injuries in his career. And I think if he can get out of the gate, we expect Florida to, to take one of those playoff positions. And if he even comes back just, you know, a little bit like he's, he's back to normal, uh, I think that's no problem for him to be on that roster. Mm -hmm. I could see that. All right. Sure. You know, um, if, if we go back, Justin, to uh, media day uh, and we listened to John Tavares, he was asked about the Olympic team. And wow, wow, his response just, there's no mixed messages there. No. Now, Derek, do we have that one? Should I throw, uh, uh, the show's almost <laughs> over. Should I throw to my first clip? <laughs> Oh, yes. Um, how badly do you want to make Team Canada? How much has that been on your mind? Yeah, really bad. Uh, it's a special thing to be a part of. Um, I'm really fortunate that I got the experience in Sochi. Uh, got to play and represent my country at the Olympics and win a gold medal. Um, I would love an opportunity to play in the semifinal in the gold medal game. It obviously didn't end individually, uh, particularly the way I would have hoped. But, um, you know, you go there as part of a team. 
as a hockey team, but even a bigger team um, representing your country and, and the Canadian Olympic team and all of Canada. So, um, you know, I'd like to think I'd have another chance in four years again, but uh, I think as you get older, chances always get a little bit slimmer. Historically, that's what it's taught you. Uh, never going to close the door, but uh, obviously this would be a great opportunity, something I really want to be a part of. See, again, I, when I hear clips, I only hear like one thing, and it's that one was all about, yeah, really bad. Really bad. <laughs> yeah, really bad. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, you know, it's at his age right now, and, and he's experienced it a couple times. And if, you know, if I'm not mistaken, he broke his leg. Remember, he had that bad, bad injury mm -hmm. um, going back to the island, I think. Need but something or other. You know, he's experienced it, yet he that that that's a guy that wants to go. Well, right? and, and so I love that. I love him being like, yes, I'm not going to pretend I don't want to go. It's very important to me. It's a priority. Uh, and talking about it with you before, you thought it was a bit of a bit of overkill. Well, listen, I mean, it, it can't for me. It can't be equal to uh, winning a Stanley Cup. You know, as long as as long as he wants to win and show that winning the Stanley Cup really bad and if you had to prioritize it it's it's first win the Stanley Cup really bad and then the second one is the Olympic team really bad but mm -hmm. at this stage it's for Leaf fans it it cannot be about the Olympics for JT it has to be focus on showing everybody that we're here to win the Stanley Cup yeah, it would be a, a really bad turn of events for the Toronto Maple Leafs if John Tavares is not good enough to make Team Canada. You don't pay a guy 11 million bucks for whatever that performance would look like. So uh, a really motivated John Tavares might be a, a good thing, even if the motivations are not for the Stanley Cup straight away. So you had brought up earlier, and I don't know if we did this, uh, said it before the show or you said it on a break, but we you, you mentioned uh, Jack Campbell for the u.s team and i gotta tell you again my first thought was can he show he can be a number one goalie in the nhl first but yeah when you kind of look at the the three-man roster on olympic teams and we put hellebuck right there right mm -hmm. and then uh Gibson and Anaheim yeah that's got to be it yeah and I then mean, you... I I don't know I, I I off the top of my head I don't know is 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 quick done in LA can he still find magic and you know yeah if if Toronto gets off to a good start and we believe Jack Campbell's gonna despite what the contract with Peter uh has we, we do believe Jack Campbell's going to carry the bulk here, don't we? Yeah, I think that's the idea, even if they're pretty close to a split. But the guy for the U.S. that I've got my eye on is uh, Thatcher Demko. Thatcher Demko is uh, going to start for the Canucks this year. I think he, he might be, you know, he's not maybe he's not Connor Hellebuck, but he's awfully close. He's probably John Gibson. So I'm not sure. Well, he had, he had, he had better moments in the playoffs than Jack. Yeah, yeah. Demko's showing bubble bubble Demko as my boy Stewie bubble calls Demko. him. He was elite, elite. Right. So, he's, he's if Campbell's good enough to go to the Olympics, the Leafs love it. How about that? Oh my gosh, Leaf fans will. That that means their team's in good shape. Yeah. Put it that way. I think that's fair to say. The uh, you know the team actually has a number of guys that would have a, a legitimate chance to go. One guy we didn't mention when we mentioned D is: Do you think Jake Muzzin would have a chance at Canada if he gets a, if he has an awesome year and he's healthy? Is that a bridge too far? Probably not, eh? I don't know. He's just probably a. Uh, he's I don't the guy know. we're think, talking about. Like he'll defend and kill penalties. Yeah, but. Um... If Drew Doughty shows that he can defend and kill penalties and power play and mm -hmm. score a big goal, I don't know how you would take Muzzin over Drew Doughty, you know? Oh, yeah. So that's true. I don't know. Typically, uh, I, 
Bo Meester was the type of guy that certainly never scored, right? Big, big points, but found a way to represent his country. But I, I don't know. I, I don't see, I don't see Muzzin in the same light as I did Bo Meester in his prime. No. Well, there's, uh, there's still a number of other guys on the team though. Uh, Willie play for team Sweden for sure. Rasmus Sandin. Rasmus Sandin might have a chance. I mean, if he plays, I remember Sweden took some random defenseman a few years back. Did Hedman get left off the team in 2014? I think he did. I'm going to look into that after. But Austin Matthews has a chance. Jack Jack Campbell has a chance. Peter Mrazek has a chance to play for the Czechs. So they got a ton of guys who may actually go to the Olympics, which is probably not a great thing. How about a non-leaf named Zach Hyman because that name's been dropped. Oh boy. Like that hurt people to hear by the way. But if he can get off to a decent start and show that it's a good fit for Connor, then what Connor wants, Connor gets. Yeah, that's true. This is reminding me of Chris Kunitz playing alongside Sidney Crosby in the Olympics back in the day. That's a good pluck by you. Absolutely. You know, not necessarily a guy as a standalone player, but, you know, he worked really well with alongside the superstar. It'll be interesting because I know in the past Canada has had thoughts of getting like the kind of being well-rounded, not just trying to take four first lines and, in general, I think you take the best players, but it's good to have some consideration of the fact that you're going to be shorthanded in the tournament and possibly at crucial times. And you may want to defend if you've if you got a bunch of goal scorers too. So you do have to consider a more well-rounded roster. You know, the one thing I cannot believe that the players, and we all know the players wanted to go real badly. And, uh, you know, they, you know, Gary just threw the hook out and reeled him in because he used it as a bargaining chip to get the CBA extended. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they go over there, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the way I see it. They can go over there and play in the Olympics, and they can break a leg and come home, and they're still guaranteed to get paid. But if they go over there and catch covid they may lose part of their salaries. Like, yeah. how the hell did they ever agree to this? Uh, I don't know. I don't, you know, the, the players are obviously desperate to go, and it's important to them, and they really are. You know, I saw someone saying that we should call this the Players' Olympics. Like, this is, they did it, you know, and there is interest in growing the game globally, and so the NHL should support it, but it's it's all on the players' backs. They are the ones doing this, and uh, you know we you know I'm grateful to them for doing it. But you're right; it's not a good deal. The NHL's made no bones about not liking the fact that the Olympics doesn't work with them. Quite frankly, right? A hundred percent. Gary's been crystal clear. Well, why are we shutting down? And yeah. Do you think they're going to go, Kipper? Like, if is there any chance they don't go? Yeah, there's a chance they don't go. And they negotiated, I think, a window between maybe two weeks that they can bail. 100%. They can just say, no. Now, it may, I don't know what that would do to uh, the schedule and how crazy it could get, but... They've left themselves a window to not go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I hope that's not the case because, you know, they're they're committed to it, as you just stated, and they want to go. And, right, it's – people are expecting it. So go, right, go and have a great time and win gold. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, I guess it comes down to whose call it is about the you know COVID situation globally if they decide to not go. Because I can't really see a scenario where it's bad enough that the players would say, we don't want to do this. You're already pot committed. The schedule has changed. You know, the teams will have been picked and unveiled. The excitement will be there. Like, what would have to happen for the players to say they don't want to go? So 
if it's left to the league, like I don't understand, and maybe you know more about this than I did, that whose call it would be to say, you know, no, we don't want to go, or yes, we do. But I got to believe that the, it's tough to see a scenario where the yeah. players would say they don't want to go at this point. Well, then we're just talking about uh, maybe a safety issue and maybe another uh, uh, outbreak that uh, would jeopardize a lot of things moving forward. So let's hope that's not the case because uh, they have come this far, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. One last uh, note. Okay. One one last note. Uh, I I got a chuckle out of Voracek, joking about uh, who's going to play center between right. him and uh, Patrick Liney. Did you catch that? Yeah, I think we actually clipped it. No, no, we don't. We don't clip it. Ah, Kipper, see, That's, I can't throw to things. That was your that was your throw, <laughs> not mine. You you took it and ran with it. But Boys, that was my bad. Sorry. No, no I'll problem. No problem. Essentially, uh, reiterate what he said. You, uh, he, he said. Yeah. The... They they asked uh, Voracek about playing with Line. A, what what his thoughts were and, and what kind of center they would need to play with them. And he basically said, uh, "We need a defensively responsible center." Let's be honest, he says. <laughs> Which you know, it's great. It's good self awareness to to know that they're not uh, natural defensive stalwarts. Let's be honest. I love that. Love that. Yeah. Me too. All right, that was a pretty quick, uh, pretty quick uh, couple of hours here, bud. Yeah. No, they're going quick. Uh, we'll get back at her again tomorrow. Every day, Kipper. Toronto and Montreal. The big boys are back in the lineup. Justin and I will be there to answer all those pressing questions after the big exhibition game. Thanks for listening. Real Kipper and Born, right back at you tomorrow.